All right, hello and welcome back to A Muggle's Perspective. I am Rogi, and I am a giant Harry Potter nerd, and I'm joined by my friend Brayden, who knows nothing about the books. Brayden, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. How about yourself? I am good. I'm, I'm excited to get back into recording. We haven't recorded in three weeks, which just feels like a really long time, so we've got some catching up to do. Um, how did our proclamation, we were firmly behind Loyola Chicago when March Madness started, how did that end up for us? Um, it didn't end like we had hoped, I guess, um, for Team Gryffindor, but they did make the Final Four, uh, so that was really cool to see. Um, unfortunately for Sister Jean and Loyola, they were beat by Michigan, so. I mean, Final Four for an 11 seed, I think, that's a, are there such things as moral victories? Yeah, I mean, if there ever was one, that's kind of your poster example, I think, so. They were fun to watch, man. That was cool. Yeah, I, I was excited that we had sort of jumped on the bandwagon early, saying, hey, this is Muggle's Perspective team. For both of you out there that care, we are supporting Loyola Chicago. Yeah, it was cool timing with the podcast that all that was going on. So, yeah. Yeah, I actually had a friend who, right when Loyola won their first, or maybe, maybe it was the second game, maybe when they went to the Sweet 16, he told me that he had a... Sister Jean bobblehead that he had bought. <laughs> he just bought years ago at Goodwill for like a buck fifty. Oh, he bought he bought this like before they were ever in this tournament run. Yeah, for no reason. He's he's the kind of no guy way. that will just buy sports memorabilia for it to be goofy. And so he he looked at me. He was like, "Should I sell this? Like, I am I ever going to get more money?" He doesn't <laughs> care about Sister Jean. He went on eBay and sold his Sister Jean bobblehead for seventy five dollars. No way. Who has a Sister Jean bobblehead? <laughs> Who would have thought they could sell one for $75? I told him to go for 100 I mean, she was she was the stuff there for a hot minute. Should we explain who Sister Jean is in case there are listeners who couldn't care less about collegiate sports? Okay, so Sister Jean is a professor who can turn into a cat, um, which is kind of her... <laughs> It's kind of her shtick is that she rides around in her wheelchair, goes to the basketball games and cheers for Loyola. And she's sort of the head of house for Loyola, if you will. And yeah, then every halftime in the game, she'll just entertain everyone by turning into a cat and glaring at them. Yeah, that was, that's about as accurate as it could get, I think. <laughs> I don't have anything to add. No, so yeah, that was that was exciting and... Um, in the world of a muggle's perspective news over the last couple of weeks. Yes. Yeah. We have a couple trivia Tuesday plaudits to give out. So it's, since it's been a couple of weeks, uh, we didn't have a trivia Tuesday last week while I was on spring break because I was on spring break. I don't know. There's no good reason. I just didn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't do the Facebook post. I'm sorry, guys. All three of you out there that consistently respond, uh, you know who you are. I'm sorry. Okay. I'm, I'm back into it this week though. So, uh, <laughs> two weeks ago, we had three weeks ago, excuse me, three weeks ago, here was our question. How did two dozen eggs filled with Harry's letters get into the Dursley's house on that Saturday of letter week? Do you remember, Braden? two dozen eggs filled with letters? Holy cow. I don't remember that. No. We had two people get this one right. Well, they combined sort of to get it right together. The milkman was very confused and handed him to Aunt Petunia through the bathroom window. So shout out to 
yeah, that was my wife, Rachel, and uh, Katie, Katie Roche, who I called Katie Kelly last time she was on here. <laughs> so they get a team trivia win here? Yeah, I think it's half a point each. Okay. We're keeping We're keeping track. Okay. So. And then uh, the next week I asked, what is the name of the location that students are warned not to enter at the beginning of the year? And this is a place where Harry, Ron, Hermione, and Neville end up going anyway. Do, do you remember where Dumbledore warned everyone not to go? Mm, I'm not going to remember the name correct. It's like the the forest, right? The uh... Well, the, besides the, the Forbidden Forest is always out of bounds. And yeah. they named an, he named another location. Even Percy was confused. What? Why can't we go there? Oh, I should know this, but I don't. Well, Grace McDillon knew it. She said the th <laughs> the third floor corridor. I asked her to be more specific. It's the third floor charms corridor. But she was right. That is where Harry, Ron, Hermione, and Neville, our, not trio, a quadro, our quad, we'll work, I'll work on it. That is where they uh, encountered the three-headed dog. Let's stick with quadro. Quadro? Yeah. <laughs> so we've got Braden's beef and then Rogie's quadro every week. I signed an email to a student freeform his cod swallop like last week or two weeks ago. Uh huh. So that's where my life is. Awesome. Yeah. What about what about the quad squad? <laughs> the quad squad? A little that's too it. corny? Maybe that's a little too corny. Is that a thing on our podcast? Too corny? Uh yeah, that's a good point. I'll shut up. Yeah. <laughs> the quad squad. Harry Ron Hermione and Neville. Okay. We can't ever list all their names again. It's got to be Quad Squad. Quad Squad. Great. So we, we, we're doing three uh, chapters this week, Braden. Three of them. I read them all last night before bed. That's where <laughs> I'm at in my life. I'm going to be 25 this summer, and I'm reading Harry Potter before bed. Well, listen, you're, by this summer, you're going to be making thousands of dollars per chapter yeah. of Harry Potter that you're reading. So yeah, good place and, to be. And I keep hanging my hat on that. I, I believe you. My full faith is in you. In those statements. So I'm real close to just quitting my job. You, so. you haven't quit yet? Oh, wow. Okay, this is awkward. I, I left weeks ago, so. Well, like I said, I, I believe in you, but, you know, a lot of people are telling me maybe not to quit immediately. So. That, hurts. A, I, that I, hurts, Hannah. That I, hurts. <laughs> I have a lot of, uh, you know, thinking to do about it. So, obviously. Yeah. Well, we start out with chapter 11, Quidditch. Quidditch. So we're already in November of Harry's first year at Hogwarts. Was that where you thought we were? No. No, it wasn't. That was kind of a a serious punch to the fast-forward button, or at least it felt like. I don't know. So how old is Harry again now? What, what did he turn on his birthday? Harry's 11. He's 11. Yeah, it's pretty easy to remember. Whatever book we're in, that's his age plus 10. Okay. That's good to know. Yeah. Yeah, so they're in November, and apparently that is the start of Quidditch season. Yeah, I've had a couple months to get some practice time in, and now Gryffindor is about to unleash their secret weapon. I really liked the description where Wood is trying to hide Harry from everyone because he's their secret weapon. And I'm trying to think how... What does that mean in a Quidditch team context? How is Harry a secret weapon? Well, yeah, there's not a whole lot that's secret about Harry in general. <laughs> He's kind of the uh, focal point of the entire school, so 
not real sure who he thinks he's he's fooling by trying to hide Harry, but I guess maybe not everyone knows that he's good at Quidditch or, you know, a good broomstick operator. <laughs> okay. Um, they just think he got under the team as a result of being famous. Oh, Harry Potter, of course, we're going to throw him on the team. So maybe they're kind of playing that up or I don't know. Yeah, maybe. So we start to hear a lot about Quidditch. That was one of your beefs a couple weeks ago that you wanted to know more about Quidditch and you wanted it soon. And you got a lot of Quidditch talk here in these first couple of pages. Anything stick out to you about the history of Quidditch on there on page 181? Um, I really enjoyed the uh, little bit of history. I'm looking back through the reading here. I want to find there was like an, a, just a ridiculous amount of fouls in one match. Yeah, it's uh, down the third paragraph of 181. Harry learned that there were 700 ways of committing a Quidditch foul. And that all of them happened during a World Cup match in 1473. <laughs> so I, my mind went to basketball. Like, is there any kind of bonus type penalties? You know, like, well, unfortunately, Slytherin, that was their 300th foul. So now, you know, Gryffindor's <laughs> going to get to shoot some foul shots. Well... Ironically enough, I actually spent about 20 minutes today reading the official Quidditch handbook. So, so there's an actual international Quidditch league. <laughs> and I'm trying to I'm trying to organize a Quidditch match for next month for some of my students. We do enrichment every month and I've just been blatantly shoehorning Harry Potter in and calling it educational. And I told them we'd play Quidditch because it'll be nice out hopefully by the end of April, though, fingers crossed. And so I was oh, this will be easy. You know, throw together a Quidditch game. And it is such a long document. I mean, this is, <laughs> this is like oh, the real humans, like regular non-JK Rowling people wrote. And there's all of these, you know, fouls and ways that it's legal or illegal to wrap someone up. And you can you can poke the ball out, but you can't punch the ball out of someone's hands. And I I was bogged down. Like, I was overwhelmed. Which so is I can't saying imagine a lot. how Harry feels, right? Yeah. And also, just as a side point, have you seen School of Rock with Jack Black? I, I haven't. Okay, well, so the concept, do you know what the concept of it is? Yeah. Yeah, so I'm sort of envisioning, as you're talking about that, like a real School of Rock thing going on with you and your students, except instead of, like, classic rock, it's Harry Potter. So, like, by the end of this school year... You guys won't really have done any kind of like, you know, state mandated schoolwork. You'll just be like, they'll all be really educated in all things Harry Potter. I, I wish that were true. We don't do a lot of Harry Potter stuff during class. Uh, um, that's it's, unfortunate. It, it's an after school thing that kids sign up for if uh, they want to. Okay. Yeah. All right. But I mean, there are parallels. Like, I'm getting paid $350 to <laughs> do Harry Potter stuff <laughs> once a month for like, two to two and a half hours after school things i would just be doing with kids that are basically my friends anyway you know <laughs> and like this i am last in the time, wrong job industry i know and this last time we started realize there's a librarian and i mrs scroggs shout out mrs scroggs she's actually british it's the best um we realized that we're allowed to order supplies on top of our like payment for this, so we ordered a fifty dollar Harry uh, a Hogwarts three D puzzle. You know those foam puzzles that like you build up. <laughs> it's like eight hundred fifty pieces or something. It's incre incredible. I was like, oh, they'll get done with this in like twenty minutes. We didn't even get done sorting the pieces out into like roof and wall pieces. So I how think, big does this thing get? 
I, I would need to look at the exact dimensions. It, it gets at least a foot and a half up off the table and, you know, maybe one foot wide by two feet long, something like that. Wow. Yeah. There's a tower for that's, some reason. That's awesome. So, yeah, it's a good gig. Um, where were we? Okay, Fowls, and we are about to get to see some Quidditch, but first Harry runs into a situation with a book. Hermione lent him, what was it, Quidditch Through the Ages? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they're out reading that, and then I think Hermione was, like, messing with her little fire spell or something. Yeah. And uh, Snape rolls in and actually confiscates Quidditch Through the Ages, just because he's sort of a jerk and just kind of wants a reason to get in Harry's face. Yeah, can this be taken any other way? There's no way it's a rule that you're not allowed to take a library book outside the doors, right? I can't see why they would be worried about that unless there's just like a real issue with kids stealing textbooks, which and when, taking them where when, yeah. When has that happened ever in real life or in, you know, storybook land? I mean, kids will take, will get a book out of the library and then leave it in their locker or lose it, but they can do that inside just as easily as outside. I would think. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's like you said, there's really no explanation other than Snape just trying to be Snape. Yeah. So he, he takes this book from Harry, and then Harry is like, you know what? I'm going to go get this back. Were you surprised by Harry's sort of bravado, his courage in this situation? Yeah, and that's something that we were sort of texting back and forth about before the show was that, like, Harry has lost all fear of Snape, at least when there's others around. Yeah. Which is just really interesting. Like, just in the in this first book, the whole transformation of Harry's character as far as being shy, you know, no confidence, doesn't really know where he came from, doesn't expect too much. And there's still some of those elements to him, but, you know, the fear is, like, pretty quickly leaving. Do you think this is just a result of his increased comfort at Hogwarts? Yeah, I think that's probably part of it. Probably a lot of it, really. But it's just kind of interesting, like, as an 11-year-old boy and just the confidence and the lack of fear that all of a sudden he has with a, from what I would assume, a creepy-looking adult. Yeah, it's revealed that maybe this was some naivete on Harry's part because he goes and knocks on the door at the... The staff room. Both right. Harry, both Ron and Hermione were like, are you kidding me? You're going to go ask for your book back from Snape? And uh, d- does he get his book back, Braden? I don't think he does because he actually, um, he walks in on Snape getting his leg wrapped. So I don't think he actually got the book back, did he? No, n- not that I know of, but yeah. it, this is almost more interesting. Snape, yeah. Snape is getting his, we're finding out why he had a limp, I guess. Yeah, so he was, uh, we find out through bits and pieces of conversation, apparently attacked by the three-headed dog that's guarding the grubby little package. Yeah. And as soon as Harry kind of peeks his head in and Snape catches him, uh, he's very quick to tell him to get out. And it's obviously like, you know, Harry is not supposed to be in there. Snape is freaking out that Harry sees him in that condition, you know, Harry and Ron and Hermione start to put the pieces together then of uh, thinking that Snape actually let the troll in on purpose to create a diversion. 
Yeah, I did. Am I wrong here? Or did Harry suggest that this was what happened even last chapter during the Halloween when the troll was actually showing up? Because they saw Snape kind of ambling around, but I think you're right. They're really putting the pieces back into really into place here. And they, okay, this this is what we think happened. This is our our official plan. Right. Right. So, yeah, that's interesting. Harry's not afraid of Snape anymore. They are really figuring out what they dislike about him. But there's something else going on in Harry's life right now. He doesn't have time to worry about Snape because he has to go play Quidditch. Yeah, he is the the heart and soul of the Gryffindor team this year. Yeah, so you finally got to see your first big Quidditch match, Braden. Was it all that you thought it would be? Yeah, it was kind of tough to visualize everything that was going on. So if and when I get the chance to watch the movie, I'm kind of excited for this. That's that's a when. But what... And don't... This isn't a shot at Harry or the game of Quidditch, but it seemed like Harry's position is kind of boring. Yeah, he didn't do a lot. He and did like, loop, a loop-the-loop at one point. Yeah. So, like, I don't know if I had built up... Uh, Harry's position on the team to be more than it was or just kind of forgot the explanation of all this, the various positions, but he just flies in circles and waits till he sees this gold ball and then flies and tries to grab it. Yeah, that is absolutely what he does. H- historically, and I think it mentions here on back on page 181 where we were looking for some of that background on Quidditch, but Seekers are usually the most attacked, the most serious accidents tend to happen to them. So this could just be an example of Harry's playing at such a low level, right? His first year on the house team, they're playing Slytherin. This isn't like the major leagues of Quidditch, that the opposing team just isn't very good at throwing throwing him off his game yet. And that's kind of the impression I get, that he's supposed to be looking for the snitch, but also should have things to be dodging. Yeah, so maybe as they get older, you know, the game will get a little more intense for Harry because... Really, he doesn't seem that challenged by it until later on once Snape becomes a ref. Yeah, well, Snape gets involved well, in Harry's Quidditch actually before that, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah, I, I got that mixed up. So that, um, and I don't know if we're ready for my beef of the week, but that's one of them is... Well, we can be. What happens here with... Harry in, in his first match, everything's coming easy to him, and then suddenly hits a bit of a snag. Yeah, so he loses control of his broomstick, and um, it just keeps rising into the air and kind of jerking him around, and uh, I think he's almost going to fall off. He's, like, hanging on for dear life, and uh, Hermione kind of notices that uh, she sees Snape sitting over there, like, mumbling a spell under his breath. So Harry could easily fall off of this broomstick and die, which... <laughs> like the fact that that's a possibility for 11 year olds playing a, a game at school is kind of comical, I guess. Yeah. He's he's, it says on the top of page one ninety, Harry is jerked off of it. He swings off. He's now dangling from it, holding it with only one hand. Yeah. So things got pretty serious pretty quickly. <laughs> and that's Hermione is the real MVP. So this whole chapter kind of becomes about Harry and how he, you know, eventually ends the wins the game for Gryffindor, and that's all great. But Hermione uses her own spell uh, that she was working on for the fire and sets Snape on fire. 
Yeah, what did you think of her strategy here? Hermione didn't launch a curse at him from across the field. She didn't even walk up to him and, like, actually talk to him or push him or punch him or anything. She, what, runs behind him to set his robes on fire? So clutch. It was brilliant. On page 191, I really like this. It took perhaps 30 seconds for Snape to realize that he was on fire. I'm sorry. (laughs) Like... (laughs) No warmth or smoke is going to get you to glance. I guess he's. it says that he's making eye contact pretty hardcore with Harry and his broom. but Yeah, he's he's pretty focused in. But yeah, 30 seconds seems like a long time to not realize that uh, you're on fire. Well, it's also a long time for Harry to be hanging off his broom. Yeah, maybe that's the thing we're not really talking about here is, is Harry's forearm his, strength. <laughs> his, he should be on Ninja Warrior. Yeah, seriously. Why is that not a thing at Hogwarts? Well, Her- Hermione has to notice Snape. She th- like after Harry's fallen off, she notices, she sees him. She has to run over to him. It they're not in the same bleacher situation. So, you've never seen the movies or anything, but the bleachers are basically like 10 row sections that are maybe 10 people wide. You can probably fit about 100 people in each section of bleachers, and then there's six of them or eight of them, something like that, stationed around the pitch. So there's all these different sort of columns of bleachers that are way up in the air, and you have to climb like 50 feet to get to the bleachers section of staircases. So there's no way she just walked right over to Snape. She had to go down, run over to a different one where Snape was, climb all the way up it. I mean, Harry was on there for several minutes. Or... Hermione is crazy agile. <laughs> she's and, she's mirror's edge, like parkouring. Yeah, um, I'm absolutely. I'm imagining like hardcore parkour to get over to Snape. <laughs> and then like she front flips and as she's flipping through the air, it's like slow-mo and she like sends a zap of flames towards his cloak. And, and then he doesn't notice for another 30 seconds. Yeah. And then he's still just mumbling under his breath until he... smells his leg hair burning. So that's fortunate for Harry is that Hermione's able to distract him a little bit and then he catches the snitch? Yes. Is this the one that he catches with his mouth? (laughs) Yeah. So that's pretty cool. I'm always a little uncomfortable about this. Just imagining like a... I guess it's between a golf ball, like a a baseball. You gotta think it's a pretty hard ball. It's a little smaller than that. Yeah. And it's like... It's pretty far up in the air, right? Yeah, he almost swallows it. I don't how know. Did, it's got a... How does it not break his teeth? Do you wear mouthpieces in Quidditch? You, not that I know of. Okay. Maybe maybe it does break his teeth and we're just not told? I don't know. <laughs> JK Rowling, let us know. I know you're listening. Email us, smugglesperspective at gmail.com. Hit us up. Does Harry have to get a specially fitted denture set? And we're just not told about that. It's like a George Washington situation. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So he he almost swallows it, and Slytherin is mad. I mean, they say that shouldn't count. Did did that even cross your mind, that it wouldn't count as him catching it because he caught it in his mouth? I can't see how that would be a rule. With all the crazy stuff that's going on in this game, and apparently you're allowed to just cast spells from the bleachers... Yeah, I think you can catch things with your mouth if you want. So this is your real beef. Yeah. Yeah, so my I've got my beef kind of comes twofold this week. 
special three-chapter edition. One, is there no sort of sanctioning body in Quidditch? Like, shouldn't someone be monitoring magic being used within a match from the bleachers? Like, how is Snape allowed to just do whatever he wants to Harry's broom? Because if that's the case, and the students realize that, as Hermione just did, they could all be practicing these crazy spells and just be helping their team from the from the stands. Like, can you imagine a college student section having magical powers? <laughs> well, to answer that a little bit, as Hagrid says, who is it? Does Hagrid say that it would, it would have to take powerful dark magic to mess with a broom? It, it, this isn't something that Ron Weasley, Mister Wingardium Leviosa, can can really affect what's happening in the match very well at his level of magic. So I think that's the first thing to keep in mind is that this is some pretty strong dark magic that's causing Harry's broom to buck. Okay. Which, like, let's set aside the fact that there's no investigation made into this. Everyone's <laughs> like, "Wow, glad that ended up well." Good glad Harry didn't didn't die. die. Yeah. Some of us are glad anyway. Yeah. And we see example. I mean, yeah, everyone can do magic. Like that messes up the world in some ways. But we do see some examples of people saying things like, well, I I wanted to cast a spell, but I thought it might hit someone on my team. Right. The Quidditch players that are any good are moving about so quickly that you can't really aim a spell and plan on hitting someone on the other team. You know what I mean? Without hitting maybe your guy, if you miss, you're going to hit someone in the stands in the face. I don't know. <clears throat> okay. And then just the general social pressure. Someone sees you casting a spell. Hey, cut it out, bro. I don't know. <laughs> is, is that what they would say? Yeah. <laughs> so that's fine. But I still feel like if if it's common knowledge that dark magic is what uh, can affect players in a game... Shouldn't there be some sort of monitoring going on? I think that there should at least have been an investigation into this. Oh, yeah. Like I don't understand the justification. And in all seriousness, that is what kind of... I feel like that's going to be a huge part of the whole story moving forward is that, like, Snape doesn't have any rules. Right? So... He seems to be operating with impunity. No one's yelling at him for Aminius to Harry. Yeah, which, I mean, that's interesting going to the next Quidditch match, which, if we're not ready to leave this one, that's fine. But, like, once Dumbledore's there, and that that's okay then, because, like, Snape, apparently the only person Snape is fearful of is Dumbledore. It's, am I safe to... Well, it's, not so, it's not so much fearful. Snape has Dumbledore's trust. Okay. Dumbledore trusts that Snape is is good is on his side is not a dark wizard so he does oh yeah hmm okay well i mean hagrid trusts him that leads right into what we're about to get to hagrid they end up at hagrid's hut to kind of celebrate this win ron and harry and hermione are over there reveling and beating slytherin and hagrid lets something slip yeah so the kids are sort of talking about how they think Snape was the one who was messing with Harry's broom. Um, I'm on 192. Is that where you are? Yeah, yeah, 192, 193 even. Hagrid, rubbish. Snape's a Hogwarts teacher. He'd do nothing of the sort. I'm telling you, you're wrong. I don't know why Harry's broom acted like that, but Snape wouldn't try and kill a student. Yeah, so when I was reading that, is that like just blind trust in 
the faculty of Hogwarts, or is there some sort of like weird connection defending Snape? Well, who do you know that Hagrid trusts and idolizes above all else? Dumbledore. Okay, and who makes the staff appointments? Dumbledore. So is Hagrid about to doubt anyone on staff because that would, by extension, be doubting Dumbledore? Okay, that's fair. That's not all, though. Not all in terms of... <laughs> <laughs> in terms of what happens in that conversation with Hagrid, right? You're right. meddling in things that don't concern you. It's dangerous. He lets, he lets something slip here. So uh, Harry, Ron, and Hermione looked at one another, wondering what to tell him, and Harry decided on the truth. I found something out about him, he told Hagrid. He tried to get past the three-headed dog on Halloween. It bit him. We think he was trying to steal whatever it's guarding. And then Hagrid drops the teapot and says, how do you know about Fluffy? So the three-headed dog's name is Fluffy, and he's apparently owned by Hagrid. So, yeah, that's informative. We know that he must be there on purpose. He must be doing something good or positive if Hagrid's involved. And then Hagrid drops a name right at the very, very end of the chapter. You forget that dog and you forget what it's garden. That's between Professor Dumbledore and Nicholas Flamel. Yeah, so we find out later that that um, Harry's heard that name before because it was on the like trading card that he was given. Yeah, the, Dumbledore. the chocolate frog card, yeah. Yeah, and apparently, well, I won't... Yeah, we'll get there. Yeah. We'll get there. First, Harry and Ron Hermione have to spend a bunch of time in the library, right? We're on to Chapter 12, The Mirror of Erised. So it's it's almost Christmas break, and Harry and Ron and Hermione are spending as much time as they can in the library looking for Nicholas Flamel's name. Did this immediately strike you as logical? Oh, yeah, sure, they go to the library to look for this guy. Yeah, it it was kind of funny. Like, when I read it, I was thinking, we'll just go, you know, you have to keep in mind that these kids don't have the internet in Hogwarts. Yeah. Because <laughs> I was like, man, you guys are wasting so much time just grabbing random books. Just Google it. Yeah, yeah. That was a real millennial thing for me to say. But I've often wondered that. Is there not just some spell that lets you control F, like search a book? <laughs> control us, Fs. <laughs> You have to make, like, an F in the air with your wand. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly what I was envisioning. So, yeah, they're just spending, like, random 10-minute breaks that they have picking a random book out of this massive library and hoping to find Nicholas Flamel's name in it. Yeah, this is a massive library. It's described as having tens of thousands of books, hundreds of aisles. Yeah, so this seems like a kind of an impossible task. Yeah, but they're really going for it, and... Hermione makes Harry and Ron promise they're going to do it over Christmas, but they get a little distracted over Christmas break. What was Christmas like at Hogwarts? Did it live up to your expectations? Yeah, it was a little more than I expected, really. Seems like Harry and Ron really enjoyed this time. They kind of get to have their, their dorm to themselves, and it seems like they they get fed really well. They're having, like, really extravagant dinners and treats and seems like the faculty is getting into it. They're decorating and Hagrid's getting drunk. And there's just a lot of excitement going on, which is like a good point that you brought up is like, why is there so much faculty that stays there over Christmas break? Yeah, I'm a teacher. I don't live at the school over Christmas break. Go home. Yeah. Are this many teachers don't have families. Well, one of them's a cat. So like, what do we even know about her family? She is a cat. Yeah. Can confirm. Yeah. Yeah. I was excited when I read page 204 at the very top there, I believe. And... 
right before he kisses McGonagall on the cheek, Hagrid is described as <laughs> he gets redder and redder in the face as he called for more wine. That's our, that's our brand is this, pointing out when Hagrid drinks alcohol. It's they're lobbing me softballs. J.K. Rowling is lobbing me softballs at this point. Like I don't I don't want to paint Hagrid as an alcoholic, but man, are you sure you don't want that? Because you've been doing it. I mean, maybe I do. <laughs> but I, it's not because I don't like Hagrid or I want to like throw him under the bus. I just think it's funny. <laughs> it's, there's something super comical about the fact that Hagrid has been like banished to Dumbledore's like groundskeeper assistant and may or may not have a real issue with alcohol. Well, he's really big, so he can drink a lot, right? What we might think as of as an excessive amount of alcohol. Maybe it isn't so much for Hagrid. I don't know. No, I can imagine that he can put down barrels and not even feel it. But this this little passage on 204 kind of, I felt like sort of insinuated that Hagrid was feeling a little loose. No, he was. He, he kissed Professor McGonagall on the cheek. Like, come on. And she was, I want to point out, she wasn't mad about it. No. What are you saying about Cat Professor Brayden? I'm wondering if there's a romance going on there. Are little you, uh so Hagrid turned into a dog and Hermione yeah. turned into a cat and yeah something like that something why do they weird. have to turn into their animals though okay this is a family friendly podcast I guess we'll, yeah. we'll leave it at that yeah I, we can have this conversation when the recording button's not on but... Mogul's perspective after hours Patron, <laughs> patrons only honestly hashtag <laughs> <laughs> yeah well what's the best part of anyone's Christmas what? What's the best part of Christmas, Brayden? Well, being with family? No, wrong. <laughs> presents? Yes. <laughs> Good night is the presents. And Harry thought he was going to get, Harry wasn't even, he was just excited. Oh, we get to eat a big meal, Christmas day. And Ron's like, I mean, presents though? So Harry's, Harry's excited to get some presents. Yeah, because no one's ever really cared about him enough to get him anything good, so... He gets a, a really nice sweater from the Weasleys. Hermione gets him a gift, which yeah, is some, nice. Some chocolate. Yeah. That, that's it, right? Yeah, no other cool gifts. Nothing really uh, notable other than an invisibility cloak. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this was pretty cool. He just gets... He opens a gift, and it's like... I think I read it as like a liquid... Like a cloth so soft that it felt like liquidy kind of is what yeah. I envisioned envisioned it very much reads to me as silky the way that silk kind of pours through your hand if you're not grabbing onto it really well yeah but it said it's like softer than silk almost like yeah it was like flowing through his hands but anyways the important part is is that it was given to him anonymously and I'm trying to find the note that is on page 202 and it says, your father left this in my possession before he died. It is time it was returned to you. Use it well. A very Merry Christmas to you. And no one signs it. But you have a pretty strong theory who you think this is from, right? I wouldn't call it strong, but if I had to guess, I would say Dumbledore. And I said, because I feel like Dumbledore probably has some sort of suspicion of the things that are going on with Snape. And he knows Harry is kind of their only chance of stopping him or, you know, combating his plans. And he's obviously going to need an invisibility cloak to do that. So, 
So this is a whole rabbit hole we could go down. But if if that's your idea for why he gives him the cloak, then I mean that just begs a lot of questions. I'm sorry, Harry's the only one that can do this. Dumbledore can't take any direct action. He has to make an 11 year old who is, let's be honest, just bad at magic. He has to give him an invisibility cloak. He's bad right now, but he's 11 and he just got there. And I think it's the whole, it's the potential. Like everybody's freaking out that Harry Potter's there. Like, so this is a years from now play. Oh yeah. Okay. No, this is just like, here's a tool you'll need. Cause eventually you're going to be locked into this, colossal good versus evil battle between Snape, i.e. Voldemort. I'm on your team, but you're you're going to have to be the, the point man, so here's an invisibility cloak. So you and Dumbledore are not particularly concerned about this thing that Fluffy's guardian being stolen this year. If, if that happens, well, that's fine. I mean, it doesn't seem like Dumbledore, Dumbledore can give Harry a cloak, but is that really going to make the difference between him stopping Snape from stealing this? This year, like in the next six months? Well, clearly it's not going to be an easy task for Snape. I mean, he tried it once and about got his leg bitten off. That's true. So maybe Dumbledore is gambling on the fact that he might have time. Well, okay. And so what's the first move that Harry makes with this invisibility cloak? He goes snooping around the library. He's going to go try, because there's a restricted section that has, like, dark magic books. You know, they're not allowed in there during the normal hours, so Harry figures he'll go sit down and read some of that, see if he can find Nicholas Flamel's name somewhere in there. Which, like, okay, it says that, well, Flamel and Dumbledore are on the same page about this thing being hidden. Yeah. So they think that maybe he's an evil wizard, that Dumbledore is just friends with a, a dark wizard who's going to show up in a dark wizard book? Yeah, it was kind of an interesting take for them, but... Yeah, I guess you know. they're 11 years old. Yeah, exactly. So d- does Harry end up finding Flamel here in the restricted section? No, he finds... Um, I'm looking for the exact page that's describing the books he's looking at. And if you have that... Well, 205 to 206. So it says, Stepping carefully over the rope, he separated these books from the rest of the library and held up his lamp to read the titles. They didn't tell him much. Their peeling, faded gold letters spelled words and languages Harry couldn't even understand. Some had no title at all. One book had a dark stain on it that looked horribly like blood. So this isn't a library for 11-year-olds. The hairs on the back, well, not for them. It's restricted, but it's still in there, so... That's weird. But the hairs on the back of Harry's neck prickled. Maybe he was imagining it, maybe not, but he thought a faint whispering was coming from the books as though they knew someone was there who shouldn't be. So at this point, are you believing that these books are magically sentient and are about to snitch on Harry? Yes. (laughs) Yeah, I knew there's definitely the implied feeling of like, this is not going to end well. So he... Picks out a particular book that he look, thinks looks interesting, and when he opens it, a piercing, blood-curdling shriek splits the silence, and the book was screaming, and Harry snaps it shut, but it won't shut up. So in 20 years, I've never considered... I just assumed this was a screaming book. I'm like, oh, he, he got a screaming one. Rotten luck. <laughs> Do you think that this book actually purposely screamed because it knew Harry shouldn't be opening it? Hmm, yeah. I mean, that's kind of what's implied, right? I, res- I respect that take. That this is a this is a new realization for me. I like it though. 
Yeah. Like there's some sort of magic that the restricted section knows if you have a pass to get in there or not. Yeah, that doesn't seem out of the realm of possibility here. Yeah. Okay, so the book is screaming, and now Harry is screwed, right? Yeah, so he's going to ditch the book and take off running because he knows Filch is coming. And Filch goes and gets Snape, right? He does. Which is interesting. Apparently Snape's just awake all hours of the day. I mean, I guess this doesn't really tell us what time Harry's doing this, but it's it's at night, right? Like, oh, when yeah. everyone should be asleep, so... Oh, yeah. Apparently Snape and Filch just kind of hang out and wait around for stuff to happen. Or Snape is out snooping around trying to figure out a way to get past this dog, Fluffy. So Snape's just being extra. <laughs> good use of extra. Thank you. Really good. Way to weave that in here somehow. It was, it was organic. It was very natural. Yeah, it felt like that. That was good. So Harry's, Harry's about to be screwed over, right? Filch and Snape in the same hallway as him. What's he going to be able to do? Yeah, so good thing he's got an invisibility cloak. He's kind of wandering around trying to not uh, get ran into by Filch and Snape. He sees a door stood ajar to his left. It was his only hope. He squeezed through it, holding his breath, trying not to move it. And to his relief, he managed to get inside the room without their noticing anything. So he kind of waits for everybody to pass and then starts looking around this room and sees this giant, magnificent mirror, the Mirror of Erised, which... How long, I want to ask you, did it take you to realize that that was desire spelled backwards the first time you read this? It probably took me about 15 years. Seriously? Yeah, that's just one. I mean, there's a lot of stuff I picked up on early on, but I, Mirror Vera said, and here's what it does. And okay, like I was just fine with all of that. And I never actually looked at it. So I didn't when I first read this last night. And then as I, as I was going back through stuff and trying to type in notes with you on the spreadsheet, mm -hmm. I kept forgetting the name of the mirror. So when I found it, I like read it and said it out loud. And then I don't know, it just sort of clicked. Like that seems weird. Well, confirmed that you are smarter than I was at age six. When uh, I first read through. It's questionable. Oh, come on. <laughs> you read this when you were six. Yeah. First grade. Man, first grade Rogi. I know. It explains a lot about the next 11 years of me, right? <laughs> a little, maybe. So, yeah, this mirror, as Harry looks into it, he can see his family. So this actually was a scene um, in this chapter that made me kind of sad for Harry. So he first sees all these people when he looks in the mirror standing behind him and he kind of freaks out thinking that, like, you know, he's been caught or whatever, or, like, yeah. who are these people? And then the more he starts to put it together, he realizes it's actually his family. I think the the woman has his the same color of eyes, and his dad has, like, the same black, unruly hair as him. Says the old man has the same knobbly knees, which, like, why is Harry looking at his knees? Yeah, I've never once been like, oh, look at that picture of my great uncle. <laughs> you know, we have the same elbows. <laughs> Man, me and Grandpa's shoulders, you could pick us out from a bunch. <laughs> so, yeah, the, this is Harry's family, and he, they can't talk to him. He tries to speak to them, and they can understand him, but they can't speak back. So there's just, like, waving, and Harry's just, like, mesmerized. So this is kind of, for me, I just thought it was kind of sad. Like, 
he's never known his mom or his dad and there they are you can see him but he can't communicate with them yeah i think harry reacts the same way we get the next couple pages of harry couldn't eat he he couldn't think about anything else he is he's obsessed with going back basically even after he goes back with ron we we get some real almost addict addict level harry yeah which i mean i can't blame him like as an 11 year old if that was the first time you had seen your mom and dad i mean that would be pretty overwhelming so yeah he goes back the second night and ron i think advises him not to but harry's dead set on it yeah, well, first he and Ron go together, and Ron doesn't exactly see his whole family. Oh, right. So, Ron, this is where we kind of learn the purpose of the mirror a little bit, a little foreshadowing before they meet Dumbledore there, or Harry does. Ron is like, Ron sees him just himself, but he's head boy. He's holding the house cup and the Quidditch cup. He's the Quidditch captain. Says he's wearing the badge like Bill used to, which I think is Bill, one of his older brothers. Yeah, Bill's the oldest. Yeah, yeah. So it's like everything that Ron has ever wanted to be, there it is. Yeah, so that's an interesting difference between Harry and Ron, especially as Dumbledore actually shows up and we get some straight-up exposition. Okay, here's what this mirror is. Here's what it does. Yeah, so it's it's a mirror that shows your uh, deepest desire, the things you most want. And it's weird because I don't think Harry... I mean, would Harry even have known that that was his deepest desire? Because he hasn't—he never knew his parents. Yeah, if if you had asked him before that, Harry, what, what is the thing that you most want in you know in the the bottom of your heart? Do you think you would have said just immediately, "Oh, I, w- I would like to see my parents"? I mean, maybe, but I have to think like growing up, knowing very little about them, probably never seeing any real pictures of them or anything like. Well, we know never seeing them. I don't even know if I don't know. Maybe. And and Ron, I mean, almost definitely would not have said what he ended up seeing. But maybe that's just because it's a little more of a selfish vision. That's true. Yeah. So it's it's definitely like they learn about themselves looking into this mirror. Yeah, but when Dumbledore shows up, he sort of warns Harry, look, I get that it's great and I get that you're you're enjoying what you're seeing. But he says hundreds before you have really become entranced. It does not do to dwell on dreams and forget to live. Remember that. Yeah, which was like, that was a pretty deep statement. I felt like that's, I felt like that could be applied to just human nature in general, right? No, only wizards. We we can dwell (laughs) on dreams just fine as muggles. (laughs) Right. So it's, it's kind of like this thing, like if you just get hung up on, you know, what you could be and not spend time like he says, like living, like it'll just destroy you. Yeah, Harry didn't want to play chess. He didn't want to eat. He didn't want to go see Hagrid. He just wanted to go back to the mirror. Yeah, he's he's like you said, like real addiction. So you could see how this would really mess people up if they kept coming to it. Yeah. Well, fortunately, Harry sort of drops that ambition, which is nice. He he listens to Dumbledore, stops going out on midnight little jaunts. And we've got one more chapter left, Nicholas Flamel. Yeah, so Hermione's back. Ron and Harry are filling her in on the Miraverised and you know everything that happened over Christmas break. And we really just jump into a more anticipation of the next Quidditch match. Seems like Harry's living match to match right now a little bit. Yeah, so he finds out that actually Snape has volunteered himself to referee this next match between 
Slytherin. No, it's between Hufflepuff and Gryffindor, right? Yeah, I mean, come on. I, I'd forgotten about this a little bit before I read this chapter, and it, it's just not fair at all. No, yeah, this could qualify for some more beef, for sure. Like, so you can just say you want to ref a match and no one asks any questions? Like, well, again, the, the the rules and the regulations of, the, you know, the adults involved with this game is a little disappointing. Yeah, everyone's just so competitive, you'd hope that they would sort of checks and balance each other out, but... I mean, there's no way McGonagall's taking this sitting down. Oh, yeah, sure, let Snape ref it, whatever. I'll get the next one. Like, come on. Yeah, where's she at? And, I mean, where's, like, Dumbledore just saying, like, hey, Snape, we appreciate it. You know, we will get you in. But uh, this match seems like it could have some, you know, some personal interest of yours. So <laughs> why don't why don't you sit this one out? How about you do a Ravenclaw Hufflepuff match, maybe? Yeah, yeah. You know. One that doesn't uh, affect you personally as much. But apparently no one really cares, and he's just allowed to do that. So that freaks Harry out. Um, yeah, it freaks, since... Ron, it freaks Ron and Hermione out, too. I like on page 217, they te Harry tells them, and Hermione says, Don't play. Say you're ill, said Ron. Pretend to break your leg, Hermione suggested. Really break your leg, said Ron. <laughs> yeah, I mean, all of those are better options than death, which almost was what he experienced last match, so... Yeah, so Harry's pretty freaked out, can't eat. This is like a whole nother well, uh, wave of, you know, being overwhelmed by what's going on around him, and luckily, he Harry learns that Dumbledore's going to be at this match, so he takes complete comfort in the fact that Snape would not try anything while Dumbledore's around. Yeah, this is one of those things that reminds you of Harry's age and maturity level. He goes from terrified, sure he's going to literally die, to, oh, an old guy is there? Oh, I'm good. I'm I'm fine. <laughs> Nothing can happen to me now. Yeah, which, like, I don't know that much about Dumbledore yet, but to me it seems like, I don't know, it kind of seems like Snape wouldn't have that much trouble defeating him if he tried. Ooh, that's going as a prediction. I love it. Snape is just stronger than Dumbledore. I mean, I don't know. Like like I said, I haven't seen the movies, but I have seen pictures of these characters before in the past, and I know that Snape's a younger guy. You know, he's he's obviously determined to make Harry's life miserable and and he we find out later he's he's obviously uh strikes some fear in the in the other professors when he's in the woods talking to Professor Coral and so but you know I guess Dumbledore is like this most famous timeless wizard that, yeah but you haven't seen any evidence of that to this point that's what I'm saying like I feel I feel like it's all reputation right now like I don't know that much about Dumbledore but yeah. it seems like Snape is pretty serious yeah and pretty powerful well, fortunately, it's not all Quidditch. It's not all this anticipation of Snape. Where we do find a little bit out about this Nicholas Flamel mystery here on page 219. Yes. So uh, Hermione finds out that uh, Nicholas Flamel is the only known maker of the Sorcerer's Stone. So at what point did you realize that that was the title of the book? Uh, pretty much as soon as she said that. It was like... <laughs> Oh, okay. That's the point of this book. So, 
The Sorcerer's Stone is apparently a, a legendary substance with astonishing powers. The stone will transform any metal into pure gold. It also provide, produces the elixir of life, which will make the drinker immortal. There have been many reports of the Sorcerer's Stone over the centuries, but the only stone currently in existence belongs to Mr. Nicholas Flamel, the noted alchemist and opera lover. <laughs> uh, Mr. Flamel, who celebrated his 665th birthday last year, enjoys a quiet life in Devon with his wife, Per Perinel? Yeah, Perinel. 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 658. So they're just enjoying their 600s together and enjoying the last stone. So apparently, if you have this stone, you will live forever. It will transform any metal into pure gold. And it would make sense that... Wouldn't that be what Snape's after then? Yeah, that's definitely the implication. That's what Hermione, Harry, and Ron, they've decided that's what is being guarded. That's what was in that tiny package. It's small enough to be in a little package. It would make sense. Now, why would Snape want a stone that can produce an elixir of life so badly? I mean, uh, other than the obvious, like, so he can live forever? Yes, other than that. Oh, D D Dumbledore can get to it right now, and once he, if he were to take it from Dumbledore, Dumbledore would finally die? No, Dumbledore's not using the elixir of life right now. He's just a regularly old guy. Okay. He's like 120 or something. Oh, Okay. Which is, like, old, but for a wizard, it's, like, that's achievable. Okay. So, you're convinced... I mean, I'm, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but Snape is using dark magic. He is... You said that Harry was going to be in an ultimate good versus evil battle. Snape versus Harry. But who's, who's on... Harry's got Dumbledore. Who does Snape have? Presumably Voldemort, right? Okay. Who just so happens to be sort of gone and not have a body right now do you think something like a sorcerer's oh, stone oh okay to to bring to bring voldemort back to life or sort of i mean yeah yeah cuz i don't remember like we don't we don't actually know anything about voldemort right now like in terms of his health or anything right that's true so that's i guess that's why my mind didn't go there like i wasn't thinking yeah. of him as dead yeah, we have we have guesses, we have whispers, we have what Hagrid sort of guessed at the beginning and told Harry about. Right, right. But yeah, that makes sense. Like, he's kind of a minion of Voldemort trying to get his hands on this so he can restore the power to him. Yeah, I mean, you think so. It, it could just be selfish, too. I mean, I guess it doesn't really say specifically, but... Yeah. So we, we get to one more Quidditch match, and... We've got Dumbledore there. Harry's excited about that. And the match actually ends pretty quickly. Yeah, so since Dumbledore's there, Harry's flying around with confidence, and I think it says within the first five minutes he gets the snitch. Yeah, it's like a it's like a new Hogwarts record. Yeah, and it's a pretty cool scene because he basically flies as fast as he can directly at Snape to get the snitch, and I think it kind of scares Snape a little bit. I'm trying to look for that description. It's on the middle of page 224. Up in the air, Snape turned on his broomstick just in time to see something scarlet shoot past him, missing him by inches. The next second, Harry had pulled out of the dive, his arm raised in triumph, the snitch clasped in his hand. Yeah, so... Obviously, Harry has some serious skills with the broomstick. And I don't think Snape was expecting it. Yeah, Harry pretty much... Uh... Ended this match pretty quickly, but not too quickly for something to happen in the stands. 
Yeah, so Malfoy's up to typical Malfoy things, making stupid comments about Ron's family's lack of wealth, and he puts like a spell on Neville earlier that locks his legs together. So now they're all in the stands, and Malfoy's mouthing off, and Ron has had enough, and tackles him, and so they're fighting while all this is going on. So they actually miss Harry's awesome play, but what got me excited was that Neville who's got some newfound confidence after, you know, Harry told him that he's worth 12 of Malfoy, I think, which was, yeah, that was like a super, like, yeah, Harry's the good guy. He says heartwarming things and empowers others. So Neville's like kind of hesitant, but he dives over the seat to help Ron fight him. So I was kind of cheering for Neville. I wanted to hear more about that. Yeah, I I really like it that Neville... When Harry comes back from what he gets to later, he's in the dormitory, and Neville is described as still being out cold. Like, Neville lost. (laughs) Yeah, he got dominated. (laughs) Yeah, but, I mean, it's Crab and Goyle. Right. So I think he he probably gave him all he had. It seems like he did a good job. I think it's awesome. I think that Neville, like like we said, he's part of the quad squad. (laughs) Hashtag quad squad. Yeah, he's not super valuable at this point, but... You know, he's kind of like that friend that you just, you have him around. You want him there. Neville's, Neville's ride or die. Yeah, exactly. So Harry doesn't get to see that quite yet because first he has to, I mean, the only thing to call it is stalk Snape, right? Yeah, so he noticed uh, Snape kind of slinks off to the woods and Harry flies over there on his broom and perches in a tree and looking for that description now, the says that he's met Professor Coral there in the in the woods and Coral's like don't know why you wanted to meet here of all places Severus and so they're having this like private conversation where Snape is basically trying to urge him trying to figure out yeah that's what I wanted to know what do you think this conversation means have you found out to get past, how to get past that beast of Hagrid's yet? But 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 Severus, I you don't want me as your enemy, Quirrell. I mean, what's what's the gist of what's going on here? So Quirrell's the dark arts professor, right? Yeah, defense against, but yes. De- yeah, okay, defense against. So I guess does this does Fluffy have some sort of power against Snape that Snape's trying to get like the. Uh, like, tell me what the defense is that this that Fluffy has so that I can disable him or something. I don't know. And then later on, 226, he says, um, Harry almost fell out of the tree, and Snape says, your little bit of hocus pocus. So Harry and Her- Ron Hermione sort of come to the conclusion, oh, there must be more than just Fluffy guarding the stone. Uh, okay. Yeah, I guess I kind of read over that and missed it. But So yeah, Quirrell's like part of this, the defense of whatever's in this package, presumably. Do, do we think the... Because they said the stone is actually with Nicholas Flamel, right? Um, that is what Hermione's book says, yes. So what do you think? I mean, we have the grubby little package that Hagrid took from the vault in Gringotts. Um, I don't know. Maybe Flamel learned that Voldemort isn't dead and didn't feel like Gringotts was the safest place for it anymore. So he called up his old buddy... Dumbledore and said, hey, put it underneath Fluffy. <laughs> I hear you got a, a giant three-headed dog, so. Yeah. I don't know. I could be reaching a little bit there, but. No, that's that's totally fair. Like Hagrid says, there's no place safer than Gringotts except maybe Hogwarts. Exactly. 
So. So the so that's our conclusion. There's a stone under Fluffy. It's being guarded by Fluffy and other less fluffy defense mechanisms. Yeah, Professor Quirrell slash maybe uh, you know Dumbledore or something have kind of involved magic in the defense of it. And Snape's trying to go after Quirrell to figure out how to disable the magic side of it, maybe. Yeah, do, do you trust Quirrell? Is he going to be able to stand up to Snape? Not at all. Oh, no. No. Seems like this like weak, frail old man that's terrified of Snape. Well, I mean, Snape's pretty scary. No, no, I, I think it's justified for sure. But I just don't understand why Quirrell isn't going to anyone else. You know, going to Dumbledore and being like, hey, Snape is... This is his plan. He's trying to get me to... I guess his life probably hangs in the balance, but seems like something that would spill in conversation, maybe, with some other faculty members. Yeah, you'd think so. I don't know. So that brings us to the end of our three chapters this week. Um, we do have one sort of special segment. We got an email a couple weeks ago from a listener who is in... Graduate a graduate graduate literature program. Anyway, she's studying Harry Potter, so right off the bat, she is more of an expert than Braden and I are. Well, than me. I mean, Braden might have her still. Yeah, uh, that's up for debate. We won't use this podcast to to go over that. Yeah, you guys can just go one on one later on the patron <laughs> patrons only feed. Hashtag Muggle Night After or er, Muggle's Perspective After Dark. <laughs> so she uh, gave us some little I mean fact check you might call it or just extra information she was really nice but it's not like she said you guys are dumb and you got this stuff wrong but uh, we I, I wanted to read a couple of the things that Emily brought up because I thought that they were sort of interesting to note from someone that has actually done some background research into this which is not me I have just read the books a bunch of times so a couple things do you remember our discussion of how to pronounce the, the money the the nut Oh the yeah, br bronze piece. So yeah. she tells us that she agrees it it should be pronounced nut, but in the audiobook he vocalizes it just to make it clear that there's a K on there. I mean, if you're just listening to it, so he sort of says knut when he does the audiobook. Um, interesting. So that's interesting. Surrey, do you remember talking about where the Dursleys live in Little Wingene, Surrey? Mm -hmm. On Perfect Drive. Surrey is a county. I thought it was like a city and Little Wingene was a suburb, but I guess Surrey is a county. Okay. So that's interesting. And then we've got some other some other points that I think will be maybe better served as like an in-between book, sort of bigger picture discussions. Um, there's one – there's some stuff about boarding schools, which is I thought was really interesting. There's, there's a long history of, of boarding school stories and novels that were apparently very popular in the 18 and 1900s in England especially. And so there's sort of one that it goes back to, Tom Brown's School Days, and th that's kind of a foundational book for – how these boarding school novels work and it seems like jk rowling borrowed from that in terms of the basis of hogwarts and the point system and houses and things like that so i think it's pretty interesting it's good stuff yeah so shout out to emily we love hearing from 
fans. Um, I have I've gotten some cool texts from people saying that they've been listening or oh I, I really like that Braden you know does this or that and so so I just really appreciate that. I know sometimes people will text me about it and I will sort of respond with like a book like a big long text like oh I'm glad you like it. Well here's let me explain this and this and this and <laughs> I mean I'm, I'm just excited so don't hold that against me please. But I know Jordan Gillette just most recently texted me. I've heard from Logan a couple times so it's always cool to hear from you guys feel free to get in contact with us any of many different ways facebook instagram email texting me i guess I'd, <laughs> i it, it's nice that emily emailed me so that it reminded me that more people than like my phone contacts listen to the <laughs> podcast yeah that's definitely a moral victory yeah. for the podcast that's that should be the episode title this week moral victory yeah there you go. Or, or, or quad squad. I don't know. Maybe hashtag quad, quad squad. Maybe hashtag a muggle's perspective after dark. <laughs> muggle's perspective after dark. So good, though. That should probably be in the show notes regardless. I'm in so, on it. Jeremy. Okay. Yeah. Um, we definitely do want to thank Jeremy. So yes. crystal ball. There's actually a couple things I wanted you to predict in the interest of very much putting you on the spot here. Okay, well, I told, I told you what they were going to be before, and so you've had a minute to look at them, but okay. is Harry good at Quidditch? I want to know. Do you think Harry's good at Quidditch? Well, so that's kind of interesting because we, I mean, we know he's good at getting the snitch, but there's more to the game than that, right? We know he's super fast and agile on his broom stick, but I don't know. Does that equate to being good at Quidditch? I don't, I don't feel like I've read enough matches to know. Interesting. Is he, is he is he versatile at all? You so know? he's good at being a seeker. Yeah, but can he do anything else? Okay, I like. Do it. you have to do anything else in Quidditch? Like to me, it's like I'm thinking. You know, we're talking about Loyola March Madness. Like, okay, yeah, Harry can shoot a three pointer. Can he do anything else? That that's really interesting to come at it from that direction. I mean, in basketball, you hear about two way players, someone that plays yeah. offense and defense and can dribble, pass, and shoot, versus just being. You know, your James Harden offense-only type of guy. Um, that's in, Quidditch is just so regimented by, okay, here's this position. Now do your thing in your position. Yeah. That so, I've never considered that possibility of being well-rounded. I like it. Well, and maybe that's not even a thing, though. So I guess I can't really answer, is Harry actually good at Quidditch? I mean, because obviously Quidditch isn't a, like a normal game. So maybe it's just so, like you said, like sort of segmented to positions that being well-rounded just doesn't matter at all. Yeah. That's interesting. Okay. Next question. Who gave Harry the cloak? I'm going with Dumbledore. I mean, it just sort of seems like Dumbledore is going to be sort of like this grandfatherly figure to Harry kind of not directly giving him the answers to some of these questions, but sort of nudging him, helping him along the way. He's on Harry's side. Yeah. Good. And this is kind of a big one. I looked back at these three chapters. I kind of read them, and I was like, well, what really happened? Like, we found a mirror, and we got a guy's name, and we played a couple Quidditch matches. Yeah. But this was kind of the first time we didn't have a big turning point. Like, whoa, this, you know, Harry's a wizard. Harry went to Hogwarts. Yeah. There was a troll that attacked. There wasn't a big plot event. So I wanted to know what foreshadowing have we seen? I want you to pick out a couple things from these three chapters that are going to come back. Hmm. Okay. Maybe the flowery bonnet Dumbledore was wearing at Christmas dinner. What is it? Anything. 
so I think that this back and forth between Professor Quirrell and Snape is going to come to a head. <sighs> Let me think about this. That's what we just talked about. If that's on the forefront of your mind. Yeah. Do you feel like Snape is going to get whatever he wants out of Professor Quirrell? I think also, I mean, this doesn't answer your question, but one thing I'm starting to wonder is like, how long is it going to take before people other than the hashtag quad squad start realizing that Snape is evil? Interesting. Do you think they will or does Snape have everyone else believing in him? I feel like that's got to come out eventually. Like you can't be snooping around in the woods with other professors, you know, trying to let in trolls, going and trying to get past Fluffy by yourself without... I feel like he's skating on thin ice here. So... Cool. Yeah. Will other people believe Snape is evil? Anything else? Hmm. Are the fights going to get more intense between Malfoy and his goons versus the hashtag quad squad? That's not really that important, but... Well, you don't know. Well, yeah, it could be, I guess. And will Harry use his invisibility cloak to dominate Malfoy? Because <laughs> I feel like there's some serious potential there to make him look like a fool. Okay, invisibility cloak, I like it. Okay, I've got your answers written down. Those are saved for posterity. Um, I think we're about ready to wrap things up, Raiden. What do you think? That sounds good to me. Ooh, you have one more beef, actually. Oh, yeah, I didn't get to the, the sort of the second half of my beef. Yeah, I, I mean, people, I feel like people are going to forget that Hermione is the real MVP of mm. these, these recent Quidditch matches, you know. If she doesn't If she doesn't set Snape on fire, we're not even talking about this match. Harry's probably not alive, and Slytherin has a commanding lead in the House Cup. Most importantly, Harry died, yeah. blah, 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 but Slytherin might win. Right, exactly. So, yeah, I mean... You want to talk about a seriously important move in in the early uh, the early season for Gryffindor, I guess maybe is what you call it. I mean, yeah, oh, it's definitely a season. Yeah, nobody's going to talk about it, but Hermione is the real MVP. So don't sleep on Hermione. Yeah, exactly. don't do it, folks. People forget. They do. People forget. <laughs> Great. So we are into our wrap-up section here. We want to thank you guys for continuing to consider supporting us on Patreon. I would love to shout out the people that have already supported us on Patreon, but I guess I already have. Here's a <laughs> thank you to everyone that supported us on Patreon, colon. Yeah. So no Patreon support. I mean, which is okay. Maybe we just won't give support on Patreon, and that's... That's fine. We will not increase our episode total. We won't do a... What was I going to do? A newsletter. We won't have a second patrons-only feed. Um, most perspective After Dark is dying on the vine here, guys. So let's, let's make it clear. The Patreon is literally to get better equipment so we can sound <laughs> semi-professional. I sound semi-professional. Literally semi-professional is a good way to describe Jeremy's podcasting studio. Shout out forever to Jeremy. Yeah. Yeah, Jeremy's. I haven't seen it, but from what it's been described to me as, it's it's pretty legit. I, however, am sitting in the guest bedroom of my apartment with a very outdated and screen-cracked MacBook <laughs> talking to you all through the just built-in speaker that it has, which you can probably tell from your listening experience. So 
if supporting us would be something you'd be interested in, just know that's what it would go to is making me not sound as crappy. Yeah, so. we would take one-time donations to go towards microphones, which is, you know, you could just subscribe for a little bit on Patreon and then back back out after one month, anything like that. Um, we'd love to get your support, but we understand that, you know, maybe we're not going to be able to quit our jobs to pursue Harry Potter podcasting full-time. Or maybe at this point, you're not even listening to us anyways. <laughs> oh, they said wrap up. Okay, I can just uh, <laughs> let me click the plus 15 seconds button a few times. I mean, and let's be honest. Let's be honest. Uh, yeah, maybe we should do this and we should have like a commercial break in the middle of the episode where we do this stuff. Gotta get ads. Folks, if you own your own business and you'd like to have it advertised on a Muggles perspective, email us. Yeah, we're currently being sponsored by 4612 which is my wife's Etsy shop. So go there for all of your aroma-scented therapy hot cold pack needs. I bet that stuff is legit. It is. Yeah, she kills it. She, she sells them at craft shows and stuff sometimes, but... I'm kind of thinking about, like, the first thing that came to mind was Serenity by Jan from The Office. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not Serenity by Jan, don't and worry. And that's, that's not an insult to Rachel. It's just kind of the first thing that came to my mind. <laughs> Wasn't so. Michael trying to get $10,000 investments for Serenity <laughs> yeah. by Jan? Yeah, so... We would accept a $10,000 investment. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of... We'll name the podcast after you. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll name a child after you? Maybe? We'll just give you an episode. Like, you can just... The next episode, you can record... And Actually, just... we're willing to sell the podcast to you. <laughs> you can have all of our login information. Take it away. Have us on as much or as little as you want. Yeah. It's your podcast now. Your okay. thing now. So, thank you for listening to another episode of Muggles Perspective. Please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review the show, as well as like us on Facebook. Continue to tell your friends. Word of mouth is a great way for us to spread, as in it's the only way we have spread thus far. So, we really appreciate that. Yeah, and something we mention, um, I think, most every episode is that if there's stuff that you want us to add in, if there's stuff that you're like, guys, you need to stop doing that. <laughs> Talking about sports. Yeah, that's probably one of them. <laughs> Not going to stop. That's Please let us know. Email us. I, do we have a Twitter? Tweet us. Facebook. Whatever. Um, yeah, we've got an Instagram. That's yeah. what the kids are on these days. Yeah. Just let us know um, if there's things that you feel like would be funny uh, for Harry to or for Rogi <laughs> to make me do or questions to make me answer. Whatever it is, we want this to be worth your time. So yeah. let us know. We love it. Right now, we're just making up what we think will be interesting or not. So we would love to hear directly from you. Yep. So next week, we'll be covering chapters 14 and 15. Yes. yes. Back to uh, two two chapters. Okay. Chapters 14-15 of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. So we look forward to seeing you then. Awesome. Thanks again, guys. Bye.